There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, January 24th. I'm Rob Litters here with Mark Dent, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. Live sports is all the rage right now for streaming services, and as tech giants battle over the future of sports rights, Netflix just shocked the world with a stone-cold stutter. The streaming leader will reportedly pay $5 billion for WWE Raw rights in a push to show more live events. We'll get into that and much more, but first, a quick tour around the hits and headlines across the world of business and tech. First up, we've got a Stanley suspect. Police responded to a report of a Sacramento woman who ran off with dozens of stolen Stanley Cups. And no, we are not talking about the hockey Stanley Cup. We are talking about Stanley water bottles, which we wrote about last week. There's an absolute craze going on. When the suspect was pulled over on the highway, police popped the trunk to find 65 Stanley Cups, which is about a $2,500 haul. Mark, have you seen this crazy hype around these Stanley water bottles? I am going to tell you, man, I don't understand this. Yeah, I don't understand the hype, but because of the hype, I am like utterly amazed that this hasn't happened like a thousand times. Like, like why aren't we reading news stories every day about somebody trying to pull off like a Stanley Cup heist? <laughs> you know, you mentioned the hockey Stanley Cup, though. In like the mid 1960s, the Stanley Cup from hockey was stolen by a group oh, of thieves. Oh, no way. Yeah, it was like returned. It was in Canada. It's a bit hazy. Anyway, that's a fantastic story for another day, perhaps. These water bottles have gotten so popular and so trendy. I'm not going to lie. My wife has one and she's like a water bottle psycho. Like she loves having a water bottle. Same with my wife. Yeah, at all times. And she actually doesn't like this one though because she said it spills and it's like not that great. Same with my wife. There we go. (laughs) She much prefers the Hydro Flask. Exactly. And I think frankly, even the Nalgene, like the very old school one. But to me, it's one of those things where the Stanley Cup, I thought it had peaked months ago. But then it just became one of those things where people who didn't want one for Christmas or didn't ask for one, they ended up getting one. And that gave it this new life, I think, over the last four weeks. So true. I think the visual that we put in the hustle last week said they hit like $750 million last year in sales. What a craze. Next up, we've got Vroom, which had a successful 2020 IPO on the strengths of its online used car marketplace, much like Carvana, but it's simply not doing so hot anymore. It's selling off its vehicle inventory and focusing on auto financing and AI-powered analytics in an interesting pivot. Bernard Arnault is nominating two of his sons for board seats at LVMH, his fashion enterprise, joining two of Arnold's other children who already have seats. The only non-board kid would be 25-year-old John, who only has the lowly job of running Louis Vuitton's watch business. The Federal Trade Commission is finally cracking down on TurboTax's false advertising, just in time for tax season, no less. The company, which claims its services are to be free, 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 despite charging most of its customers. The FTC's order will stop the company from saying its services are free unless it applies to all customers. Mark, I don't know about you, but this makes me very happy. I have been a sucker for TurboTax's free marketing for about a decade now. 
It's been a long time coming. It's been a lot of reporting, a lot of stuff from ProPublica and big publications like that. I believe even John Oliver has had a segment on TurboTax. It's been a long time coming and it's well-deserved for TurboTax. And yes, I am thankful for it as well. Exactly. Agreed. And lastly, one picture is worth a thousand years. If you think Polaroid photos take too long to develop, a newly installed Tucson, Arizona camera is not for you. The Millennium Camera is an art installation and it'll only take one image in its entire life, a 1,000 year exposure shot of Tucson. On to the main story. All right, Mark. So my experience with professional wrestling peaked around the year 2000 when me and my buddies were absolutely obsessed with, I think the video game was WCW versus NWO Revenge. Since then, I'm not going to lie, I've completely lost track of the sport, if that's what you want to call it. However, every now and then I'll read about the rabid fan base for pro wrestling, or I'll see a stat about its popularity or viewership, and it's always surprising to me how well it's doing. And now we get this news and buried the lead there a little bit, but Netflix is buying WWE Raw for $5 billion over the course of 10 years, their first really, really big investment in live sports. What is going on here? Right. Yeah. Well, first off, yes, WCW versus NW Revenge was a great Nintendo 64 yes. video game. Back when it was WWF, there was a WWF Nintendo 64 game too. You could do a cage match on it. Amazing. That was when there was like Kane, The Undertaker, yes. Stone Cold, D-Generation X, etc. So those were halcyon days. But maybe the best days for wrestling are still ahead, one would think, after this deal. It's a 10-year deal from Netflix worth $5 billion, according to the Wall Street Journal. But there's a couple of really interesting things here. And first, I think, is that, you know, Netflix has dabbled in sports before. You know, as we know, they've had some of their documentaries with Formula One, the NFL, like the quarterbacks thing that was pretty popular last summer. But this is like really their first foray into what I would consider like regular season sports. They've agreed to televise some like golf match, an exhibition tennis match between Carlos Alcaraz and Rafa Nadal that's set to happen this spring. But, you know, those are frankly exhibitions. Raw is like the main meal of wrestling, right? It's on every Monday night, typically, and it's fairly popular. The last few months, they've been getting between one and a half, you know, maybe 1.7, 1.8 million viewers sometimes, which is actually a little bit down. Before the pandemic in 2019, according to the website Fightful.com, they were getting closer to around, you know, 2 million, sometimes over 2 million viewers. And so I think this is a time when wrestling is still popular, but maybe it also needs a boost. And Netflix has done that. They are known as something that can provide a boost for you. And I think that's probably what Netflix sees here and what the WWE sees. And I think it also, perhaps most interestingly, opens up, I don't know about the Pandora's box, but at least it opens up some type of box for us to like wonder what's going to happen to other live sports in the future if Netflix has made this huge move right now. What I absolutely love about this move for Netflix is... I think it's going to be great for subscriber retention. I think the entire purchase just makes a ton of sense for their model. If you think about the amount of money they spent, like $5 billion over 10 years, I don't know what $5 billion would get you for like the NBA or the NFL, but it would probably be like some scattered games here or there, right? It's not the type of thing that's going to get you subscribers. Everybody's talking about Peacock last week and how they got like 30 million new subscribers for this Chiefs-Dolphins game. I guarantee like 90% of them are going to churn, right? Like none of them are going to hang out and like stay on Peacock. I don't see that happening. With Netflix, I think they realize that that's the case. Like consumers are not stupid and they're paying money to acquire this thing for kind of like the entire life cycle of the season, right? So like the people that 
want WWE Raw are absolutely going to subscribe to Netflix and they're going to stick with Netflix for the long term because one of their favorite sports is on there. I just think it's a super, super smart play and Netflix continues to do this thing where they kind of chip away at the edges of sports and kind of like dip their toes in the niches of sports while everybody else battles for all of the massive rights for the NBA, the NFL, and everyone else. And I just think their play is so, so smart. They're staying out of the deep end. They're staying out of the leagues. Well, I mean, they're staying out of the deep end right now, but I think this might mean that they're ready to jump in. I mean, those NBA rights are going to be available starting after next season. Interesting. After the 2024-25 season is when it runs out. There's a lot of talk that Amazon is going to be interested. And I think it's possible that Netflix would be too. I, I think whenever we see, you know, the big leagues, like especially the NFL and the NBA, when we see their right deals come up again, and for the NFL, I believe it's not until the early 2030s that streamers are going to be a huge part of it. You know, right now for the NBA, for instance, it's just Turner and ESPN who have most of the rights. And the contracts are worth approximately $2.7 billion per year. That's about five to six times as much as what Netflix kind of just shelled out here for the WWE. And former ESPN executive John Skipper has said that the NBA rights could go for much higher starting in 2025, perhaps 200% to 350% higher. It's just a very odd situation, though, because TV networks, they need live sports more than they ever have. But generally speaking, other than the NFL, live sports ratings are either going down or kind of plateauing. And also like TV networks don't have as much money as they used to. So it's like this weird thing where I think the streamers might see themselves able to get a foothold in live sports. And these sports need the streamers to come in and frankly rescue them possibly. Yeah, I'm just so skeptical. Whatever Netflix is going to do if they are dabbling with the big sports, to your point, is going to be like a piecemeal solution. Like they're going to get some games here or there. And I just don't think that that model meshes with the subscription model for Netflix. You raise a really interesting point. Is this a sign that they're ready to go even deeper into sports? Or is this a sign that they kind of have their own sports strategy that they're sticking to while everybody else battles for the big stuff? I guess time will tell. So the big question to me, Mark, is... Is this the peak market for sports? I mean, $5 billion for the WWE. I know it's popular, but that sounds like a lot. You're right. You know, $5 billion, and again, $500 million a year. And like I said, WWE Raw is getting around $1.5 million, maybe 1.7, 1.8 million viewers generally to tune in. I mean, there are sometimes like college national championship games in like the niche sports that get over a million viewers, and they don't command nearly that kind of money. Crazy. So it, it is quite interesting. And, you know, John Skipper, the former ESPN exec, has said that he thinks that the NBA contract could be worth 200% more, 350% more than it already is. As far as TV networks are concerned, I don't know that they have as much money to give as they used to. I think that is clear. And so I think that the long-term health of these sports leagues and how much money they're going to get is dependent on people like Netflix and whether Netflix does, in fact, think it's a good idea to be able to televise NBA games here and there, or perhaps as often as possible. Yeah. I really think the only sport where a piecemeal approach like this could work is football. And I think Amazon's proving it with Thursday night football. Right. Exactly. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens the next time around. I think there's a very good chance that an Amazon Prime subscription in a few years is just going to be like fast delivery and all the sports you can watch. And a lot more money to pay and a lot of anger from <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. sports fans. $80 a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We are a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. Have a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody. I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.